That was funny. <laughs> we had no clue what time it was. We're just chatting away, doing our thing. We get together, do a, a pre a pre podcast kind of thing, and we're just like having a good old time. We don't even care. Anyhow, welcome, welcome, welcome back, twenty twenty three. We weren't here live last week. I had a little hiccups in health, so I wasn't able to be here. So I'm Hillary in Ontario, Canada. And I'm Teresa and the beautiful Anna Montego. So welcome to Hot Tea with Pleasure. Hot Tea with Pleasure. I got my water tea today. <laughs> um, okay. We have Nicolette in the chat. Always keeping it real and hot <laughs> in the chat for us. And uh, we're hoping to have some people come through tonight and just, you know, ask us some questions and listen in on what we have to say. We're going to talk about some civil actions and some activists and Black History Month is next month. Um, for us, it's every month because we're black. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, they, they have um, taken uh, February as uh, Black History Month. That's next month. But today is Arrow Barrel Day. And you probably... Don't know who Arrowboro is unless you're from Bur the island of Barbados or some islands in the Caribbean and maybe even England. But um, he was pretty prominent back in the 80s and 70s and 60s. And so Teresa's going to go into that a little bit later in the show. It was also MLK <laughs> Day. Uh, <laughs> what? I'm listening. Come on. It was also MLK Day in uh in um this week so we are going to be talking about those two things so over to teresa in barbados hello hello from teresa in barbados how are you tonight hillary i am alive and breathing good good <laughs> and good night to nicolette in the chat yes okay from my intro we're gonna welcome to barbados and it's happy arrow barrel day mm -hmm. yes that is today January 21st is his birthday. It's also one of my best friend's birthday, too. Happy birthday, Michelle. <laughs> She's a big 5 okay, today. Yep. Birthday. Yeah, it's her birthday. She's nice. 5 today. Yep, that's right. Go ahead. Okay, late, later on in the show, because Hillary's going to go first with MLK Day, because more persons will be familiar with Martin Luther King, MLK mm -hmm. Day. Mm -hmm. So Hillary's going to go with her piece first, and then I'm going to come after in the show. you will hear more on who he is and the other great crusaders from Canada, USA, and the Caribbean that had made an impact on the lives of those in the earliest century and have paved the way for us today. Right. Okay. And you mentioned something. Uh, this is kind of what inspired, uh, part of, partly what inspired our talk tonight. Uh, you mentioned about uh, your friend seeing a, a piece. Yes, there was a piece circulating on in social media on WhatsApp. And yeah. It was saying that they were looking to take um, Black history mm -hmm. and yes, Black history out of the schools, mm -hmm. and I think it was the Native Americans out of the schools. Aboriginal, Aboriginal, mm -hmm. Aboriginal out of the schools um, system. So mm -hmm. that helped us. Hillary said, "Help inspire us to do this." So we have to start educating our children yep. about the past, where we came from, how we got here, people, persons that paved the way for us, and, you know, giving some more of their history that it paved way for them, and they have a better understanding and appreciation for the things that are ahead. We also have to be, uh, you know, become a little bit more aware and knowledgeable about Anishinaabe, uh, community as well as uh, you know their their civil liberties and their civil rights and you know they're still fighting for a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot and um, you know we have the reconciliation 150 acts those are some of the things you can do to get involved and learn more about the Aboriginal community in North America uh, Turtle Island Turtle Island so let's get started with MLK uh, I mean I'm gonna listen you guys know how I am with the technical stuff so don't <laughs> okay so let's start with martin luther king that's not martin luther king i see i already did it already here we go 
Or Luther King. Because I'm going to take my pen out and I'm going to drop some notes. Yeah, yeah. Do that. Well, even for the, some of the viewers. Yep. Okay, so he was known, you know, we celebrated uh, the National Day on January 16th, uh, 2023. It's celebrated every year since 2020 when it was uh, uh, proclaimed uh, Martin Luther King Day. Um, he organized March, uh, led March, uh, sorry, Marches for Blacks, uh, the right to vote, uh, desegregation in the South, especially, uh, labor rights, and other basic civil rights. So on August 28, 1963, the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom became the pinnacle of the Dr. Uh, King's national and international influence. Now, we all know that Dr. King was a Baptist minister and a social rights activist in the United States in the 50s and the 60s. He led the American uh, Civil Rights Movement and organized a number of peaceful, peaceful protests as head of the uh, Southern Christian Leadership Council Conference. So, um, Dr. King, he won a, a Nobel Peace Prize in 1964, when at the time he was the youngest person to ever have done so. He influenced the world and it was an advocate for peace. I, I mentioned the word peaceful again multiple times and I'll tell you why later mm -hmm. in the show. And uh, his approach to society's biggest problem was using Peace March. Uh, he organized a number of marches and protests and was a key figure for the American Civil Rights Movement. He was instrumental in the Memphis uh, sec uh, sanction, workers strike, the Montgomery uh, bus boycott, on, and then, of course, again, the March on Washington. So the holiday celebrating King is, offered, is often called BLK uh, Day of Service and is a reflection of legacy and addressing social uh, problems through collective action. Now, we all talk about, I'm going to pull this down for a minute, Martin Luther King, you know, Jr., but we don't really go into other uh, activists that have been, um, had a, a, a major effect, not only on the uh, civil rights movement, but on social, social justice. Um, I'm going to bring up, sorry, <laughs> Rosa Parks. Now, we all, I'll, I'll say we all know just as much about Rosa Parks as we do about Martin Luther King. Uh, she also was a civil rights leader and uh, refused to give up her seat to a white passenger on a segregated bus that led to the Montgomery bus boycott. But let's talk a little bit more about things that we didn't know about her. Uh, we didn't know that after that boycott, you know, that she couldn't find work. Eventually, she left Montgomery and moved to Detroit along with her mom. And she had to look for a new life and became the Secretary of Receptionist of the, U of the United States uh, Rep. John Conyer Con uh, Congressional Office. And she served on the board of the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. In 1987, uh, with a longtime friend, she founded the Rosa Park and Roman and Raymond Parks Institute uh, uh, to Self Development. The organization runs Pathways to Freedom Bus Tour, which introduces young people to in the importance of civil rights and the Underground Railroad sites throughout the country. Um, December first is the day that is celebrated as Rosa Parks Day uh, in mm -hmm. America. Um, you know, we talk about her bravery as a civil rights activist, her contribution, um, and which was mostly impactful for the movement, and of course, her famous refusal to move um, while on the bus while commuting. Her headstrong persona is an inspiration for all, and the day promotes civil rights, equal rights, and the opportunity for all communities around across the country. The event is marked by and arranged by organizations, government leaders, and church figures. On October 24, 2005, Rosa Parks said her goodbye to us all and died at the age of 92. And I'll tell you something that her, her I mean, if you think about that, that was ballsy, <laughs> you know, to say mm -hmm. the least. Like, I one mean, of our, one of our viewers mm -hmm. um, was saying, you know, 
which which episode which season was it was this season or last I think it was this season. Mm-hmm. One of our viewers were he was highlighting Rudy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Rudy's in the chat now, but Rudy was saying that he's grateful for Rosa Parks mm-hmm. because he was able to sit on the bus, have a mm-hmm. seat on the bus. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and this is the thing is that we don't really talk about the past too much. We, we for some reason people want to forget the past, but I say you have to remember the past in order to not repeat it in the future, right? Um, I'm going to go on to the next uh, civil rights uh, leader, and I think he was more of an activist. And uh, it, when I saw when when Nicolette uh, had showed you know his name or whatever, I didn't recognize his name. But as soon as, I didn't know his first name. As soon as I saw the last name, I knew exactly who it was. And I was like, I remember the face. And then it came, it came mm-hmm. back. Everything came back. Um, I'll put the, his picture up now. Okay, this is him right here. So his name is Stokely Carmichael. And he was born actually in the Caribbean in Trinidad. Uh, and migrated um, with his family at the age of 11 years old. He became an activist while attending Howard University and eventually developed the Black Power Movement, first while leading the Student Nonviolence Coordination uh, Committee, Coordinating Committee, and was one of the original NSCC Freedom Riders of the 1961 under Dana Dash Leader. Sorry, Dana Dash um, leadership. He became um, a major voting rights activist in Mississippi and Alabama after being mentored by Ella Barker. Am I saying that right? I can't see. Baker. Is it Baker? Baker. Okay. Yeah, Ella Baker. Baker. Um, The Ella Baker Center of Human Rights is named after a brilliant black hero and civil rights freedom movement who inspired the guided emerging leader. Um, one of the things that he was known for also was the, uh, the, the Montgomery boycott. He was there along with uh, Martin Luther King and was next to him. He also um, co-founded an organization uh, in friendship to raise uh, money to fight against the Jim Crow laws in the Deep South. And um, he became increasingly hard for him to live in the States, however. He actually became a little bit, he went on to the, uh, the anti, I will say he went from nonviolence to violence when it came to fighting for uh, civil liberties and civil rights. And um, it became increasingly hard for him to live in the United States. So he, he was being hounded by the FBI and CIA and he started traveling the world as a speaker. He changed his name. Oh. Yeah, he changed his name to uh, Kwame, uh, I think, Tori. And he actually lived in Guinea. Uh, they actually made him an honorary citizen and lived there for three decades, visiting the United States frequently, traveled back and forth, preaching around the world the merits of Pan Africanism and uh, scientific socialism. And people listened, but not in the numbers that it used to be for. Uh, he lived a very, very, very simplistic life, uh, communal uh, most of the time, and quaint. And everyone called him very interesting person to speak to. Uh, the formal civil rights leader, uh, warrior, died in Guinea in 1998 at the age of 57 from prostate cancer. Um, but what people don't remember, or peop- or I should say, do and don't remember, is that the phrase "Black Power." You now people say "Black Power" at some of mm-hmm. the rallies. That's him. He was the original person that actually said that the first time. Now, this one is on the Canadian side, and I'm very proud of this one because he actually checks two boxes for me, Barbadian and Canadian. <laughs> so I'll put his, his picture up. His name is Donald Willard Moore. Um, he was... Um, he was a human rights... Um, activist I can call it I can say that he was born in Lodge Hill St. Michael I don't know where that is but I know it's in St. Michael (laughs) in Barbados 
in November, on November 2nd, 1891. Uh, his parents uh, brought him over to Canada when he was 21 years old. And um, he actually migrated to, to the States first, and then he left New York City and came to Montreal. Um, he worked uh, in the Canadian uh, Pacific Railroad as a sleeping car porter. Uh, his job was... As a what? A sleeping car porter. So, okay. yeah, a sleeping car porter. I'm not sure where that is. I'm, I'm assuming that is... Uh, in cargo or something? Yeah, uh, no, I think he probably... He pro yeah, he's probably uh, moving luggage around, it looks like. Okay. Yeah, and his job uh, brought him to Toronto. Um, so, he actually went and enrolled himself into the Dominion Business College and completed courses that allowed him to register for dentistry program. Um, and he did that in Halifax in 1918. Now, what is so important about him is his stance for immigration for blacks in, especially people from Barbados at, at first, but then it went on to uh, different um, Caribbean islands. So what was happening back then was that when a person of minority would come to Canada, they were treated differently with, with, uh, from the, the Caucasian uh, community that were coming from uh, European countries. So more, he actually started together uh, a community together and would work with other community members to establish um, the Marcus Garvey University Universal Negro Improvement Association as well as the West Indies and Progressive Association and the West Indies Trading Association. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he, he got, like, he, he was, he's, he's very pinnacle in how immigration is seen today in Canada. Humanitarian organizations' motto was dedication to the promotion of better Canadian citizenship because his, his point was a black, there's no difference between a black Canadian and a white Canadian. All Canadians should be considered the same. All, all immigration rules should be considered the same. And the Canadian discriminatory immigration laws that they have that deny equal immigrant status to non-white British subjects described, uh, described the impact of those laws and made specific recommendations for that change. So the landmark belief and, the subs and his relaxation of the immigration laws open the doors for West Indian nurses and domestics to find employment in Canada. So in 1955, he worked with the government of Jamaica, Barbados, and Canada to enable domestics mm -hmm. to gain permanent residence after one year of work. In 1965, uh, him and two other members of the Negro Citizenship Association purchased a 12-room house on Cecil, uh, Cecil Street and converted it into a recreation center for the West Indian community call Davin Vaughn um, Center. Um, I mean, he's done so much, but it's all in the name of, of immigration and for to get the um, non-whites the same rights as whites in Canada. Uh, I'll, I'll read some of his awards because it's very important that I mention them. Um, he has a number, a number of awards. The ones that are more prominent are the City of Toronto Award of Merit in, in 1982, the Ontario Benicle Medal in 1984, the Harry um, Jerome Award of Merit in 1984, five, the Barbados uh, Service Medal in 1986, the Ontario Ministry of Citizenship Award in 1987, the Order of Ontario in 1988, and the Order of Canada in 1990. That's a big award, by the way. <laughs> um, he lived, he actually died in his sleep. I mean, the guy has done so oh. much for um, for the Caribbeans, for non-blacks in Canada, and when it comes to immigration, he died in his sleep at 102 years old. That's a, that's amazing. It's a life. That is beautiful. Uh, and then the, uh, lastly on my list, but obviously not last, <laughs> um, but for me, uh, and some person that I find very important because he actually uh, helped with the uh, civil rights movement. Uh, his name is John Echohawk Pawnee. Um, is the exec he's executor of the Native American Rights Fund. 
He's the first graduate of the University of New Mexico special program to train Indian lawyers and was a founding member of the American Indian Law Student Association while he was in uh, law school. He's been with the NAFRF since the inception of 1970 and has served as an executive since 1977. Uh, he's recognized as one of the most hundred most uh, influential lawyers in America and after he joined uh, uh, the staff in California, the California Indian Legal Service, he joined other lawyers and tribal uh, members to form the National American the Native American Rights Fund in 1970, which was similar to the goals of the National Association of Advance of Color People, that's the NAACP. Both were based on civil rights activism of minority groups, and the Native American Rights Fund is a nonprofit law firm dedicated to protecting indigenous rights in the U.S. and around the world. He uh, centers his Native American Rights Fund focus um, around preserving tribes, um, protecting tribal resources, protecting human rights, ensuring government responsibilities, expanding uh, Indian law, and educating people about Indian issues. Um, through the group, Echo Hawk has range of civil rights uh, successes from the government recognition and reach the tribal sovereignty, the passage of the Native American Grave Protection, and um, he embodies the missions to preserve tribal existence, protect tribal national resources, promote human rights, ensure accountability of the government, and develop the Native uh, Amer uh, North American law and educate the public about Native American rights, laws, and issues. He served on the boards of the American uh, Indian Resource Institute, the Association of American Indian Affairs, the Indigenous Language Institute, Re uh, National Resource Defense Council, the National Center of American Indian Enterprise Development, BA, University of New Mexico. Oh man, he is busy. <laughs> University of New Mexico in 1967 and 1970. Uh, Reginald Smith Fellow, uh, 1970 to 1972. The Native American Rights Fund, 1970 to present, and admitted the pra uh, pra um, practice law in Colorado, where he currently still practices law. He is 77 years old and still going amazing. Let's go into the Caribbean. <laughs> I know, I know. And I tell you, I you know that I I'm reading this. I'm like, whoo, Lord, that's I got to be tired. <laughs> but I, you know, it just goes. Oh, yeah, it, it just goes to show you, though, you know how much one person can accomplish uh, when it comes to mm -hmm. having the drive and really uh, the passion to to help others. Um, so if one person can make such a big movement, uh, imagine when you have multiples of ones, right? So, okay, your turn. <laughs> okay, I will start you off with Errol Barrow. Like I said previously, um, Errol Barrow Day is today, and a lot of celebrations are going on. On the, on the radio stations today and throughout media leading up to this day, they were talking a lot about him and his birthday and different things that he accomplished. He too was a civil rights activist and a politician. And fancy, fancy and he also fancy being in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So for him, his like I said, his day celebrated today. He was born the 21st of January, 1920 as Errol Walton Barrow, PCQC. He was a Barbadian statesman. He was the first Prime Minister of Barbados. He was the Prime Minister in 1966 to 1976, and what we call the father of independence, to begin independence on November 30th. And again, he was Prime Minister in 1986 to 1987. Sadly, it was cut, his, his term was cut short because that's when he passed away on June 1st of 1987. 
So he, like I said, he was born into a family of politics and civil activists, and he was from the north in the parish of St. Lucie. And he became a World War II aviator, and he was into a lot of flying. Huh. Um, I remember one year I attended an event at the Small Craft of Barbers, Small Craft Association. Uh-huh. And his pictures were plastered everywhere. There was a lot of activities going on, and he was one of the attractions there. Yeah, I met him before. And all kind of stuff as well. Yeah, I met him before. He was my grandpa's. They had a bunker in the back. <laughs> he was in the bunker. <laughs> he also he also was a gourmet cook and author. So Ooh. he wrote a cookbook in its title. Privileged, I can see it now. Privileged cooking in the Caribbean. Oh, himself I know, I know. Cuckoo was in there. Himself and Kendall Lee on my first—I won't say my first trip out of Barbados, but my first international trip out of Barbados to England. Okay. The Lee family that I visited, um, Arrowwalk and Barrow. Mm-hmm. His the guy Kendall Lee is the grandfather. Of Chris, of Chris Lee, there, there were friends and they did a lot of cooking together and they came up with their cookbook called Privileged Cooking in the Caribbean. Right. So he was a cook. So you met out there. Is that is that a hint, uh, Teresa? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All the guys they know can cook. Okay. Mm-hmm. Teresa's called everybody oh. out. My, bro- my brother can cook, yeah. My brother can cook well. He okay. Roast <laughs> the same men are, are the best chefs, so. Oh, are they? Are they? they? Really? On this side going, yeah. Okay. But I'm going to take your word for it. For. Mm-hmm. I will borrow, like I said, he's no, he's a, he was the Prime Minister of Barbados and he led the country to accelerate an industrial development and expand the tourist industry i'm just posting sorry on, mm-hmm, go on that's fine i did mind while you were speaking okay <laughs> which went on a, which, went, which went on to be a huge part of barbados economy he introduced national health insurance what we call the nis i think what y'all have as social security and he impl- implemented free secondary school education you're posting and you're posting to me as well. Free <laughs> <laughs> secondary school education for all. And he is also known for a quote, and I heard this over and over today on the radio station and on the um, television show. They did an excerpt on him as well. We will not regard any great power as necessarily right in a given dispute unless we are convinced of this yet at the same time will not view the great powers with perennial suspicion merely on account of their size their wealth or their nuclear potential this part is what everyone remembers we will be friends of all and satellites of none nice so in other words, he was saying to us, we will communicate with all of you, but in the communication, I don't think you will hold us ransom. Oh, okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. So that is on Errol Walton Barrow. And remember... Today's Errol Barrow Day, right? Cook- yes, it is. His cookbook, Privileged Cooking in the Caribbean with Kendall Lee can be found on Amazon. And I have it softback or hardback. And it's about, say, 15 US with posted and all that, depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have one. He has some nice delicacies, what we, what we mainly use, not mainly use, but what we have around independent style, like the sweet bread, the sugar cakes, the guava cheese, and the cocoa flying fish. And there was another one. I think it was steam pudding. All mm-hmm. those things like the steam pudding and South what Saturday Saturday's main dish. The 
steam put in a uh, what do you call steam put it in cells. I don't know okay. if you would eat that, but. You know what? I nice things you can find inside his book. You know what I remember um, him. I remember about him was that people compared him to Martin Luther King in Barbados because of him bringing the country together uh, through politics. I mean, mm -hmm. you had the BLP and the DLP, and mm -hmm. they can get I very. I think he was BLP first, and then he went. Then went over, over, yeah. Uh, I I don't know about that, but <laughs> what I do know mm -hmm. is that he was very much. Uh, uh, although he was a DLP member, people on both sides of the party, uh, party on both parties, they did uh, respect him quite a bit, and he was honored by all Barbadians. Uh, so they said he basically brought the country together, and you know, when he spoke, people listened. <laughs> so uh, yeah. that's 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 some of the way that he he got compared a lot to Martin Luther King. And oh, Rudy's here. Hi, Rudy. <laughs> He said he can't stay long. He's busy. Rudy, do you remember anything about Arrow Barrel? Because we're, we're talking about Arrow Barrel now. Rudy's, uh, you know, he's Barbadian background, too. Um, yeah, so anyways, uh, I, that's what I remember about yeah, him and his calmness. Bar bar parliament. Yeah. yeah, he was very, very calm. And for our, what I remember uh, when it came to uh, politics in Barbados is very, very peaceful uh, as far as I mm -hmm. I know I could be wrong. Yeah, his his demeanor was yeah. a very, had a very calm with Very calm and very uh, peaceful, and that's why they really compared him to, to Martin Luther King. And in 1951, he was a member of the Barbados Labor Party. Yeah. So he was Barbados Labor Party first, representing the parts of St. George, and then okay. he went over to the DLP. As okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just know that. I, I tell you, he was in my grandpa's bunker. That's all I remember him and my grandpa were friends. Is That's all I remember. <laughs> Oh, okay, God. our next our next person on the list. Rudy, is... sorry, Rudy's always here to support us. We really thank you, Rudy, for always uh, taking time out of your busy busy schedule and and, uh, and supporting us. He's our he's our viewer. He's going to be with us in Barbados in December in uh, July of 2023. This year, uh, he'll be joining us on the uh, yeah as part of the panel. It's gonna be interesting. Mm -hmm. Claude McKay our next person. Oh, no, Claude McKay. Oh, sorry. Wait, hold on. Hold on, Teresa. I messed up. Hold on. So here's a picture of Arrow Barrel for those who are now tuning in. Or uh, Hillary has missed her cue. Uh, so this is Arrow Barrel. And again, you can see why uh, people did no, compare him to... that one is. <laughs> that one is. Wait, what, what are you talking about? No, no, no! I'm saying this is yeah, this is before you didn't change it as yet. So oh no, you're watching the sh you're watching the screen the stream, so you'll see differently than what I what I'm seeing here. So um, yeah, so the reason why people another reason why people said that he looked like Martin Luther King because you can see they have a very strong resemblance. So anyways, that was um, Arrow Barrel, and uh, go on. Claude McKay is the next person up. Now, Claude McKay was born Festus Claudius McKay. This is him right in here. In James Hill, Clarendon, Jamaica, in 1989. Claude McKay, he was a acclaimed writer and poet. And in 1912, the first volumes of poems, Songs of Jamaica on Constable Ballads, he was awarded the Silver Medal of the insight of Jamaica where, where they were published. So he too was into his literature. Ouch. Yeah, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. He, he, after that, he immigrated to the U.S. where he met up with his mom in 1912 to attend the Tuskegee Institute and he was shocked by the intense racism he, he encountered when he arrived in Charleston, South Carolina. Let me interrupt you for one and second, Teresa. Uh, Rudy just puts up in the chat. He said, for, when it comes to Arrow Barrel, I was six years old when, uh, when Barbados gained independence. I think he was the prime minister at the time. Yeah. Teresa said yes. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's fine, that's fine. Where am I? Okay, mm -hmm. when you arrived in Charleston, South Carolina, where many public facilities were segregated, he joined the Harlem Negro Renaissance, where he was the leading writer again, 
from being a writer and a poet in Jamaica. He mm-hmm. continued to write his books as he migrated to the U.S. Mm-hmm. He also joined the industrial workers of the world and also became involved with a group of black radicals who were unhappy both with Marcus Gabriel nationalism and the middle class reform NAACP. However, together they founded the semi-secret revolutionary organization, the African Blood Brotherhood in that time. Claudius McKay, he died in 1948 in Chicago and he was buried in New York. I wonder why he died in Chicago and taken him to New York. Hmm. Sorry. Yes, Rudy, you know a little bit of history. <laughs> what is Rudy saying? I think Rudy wants a word for knowing, knowing a little bit of history. <laughs> he said, oh, okay. LOL, see, I know a little history. Yeah, we see that you come in this, you're you coming to the chat not only to give trouble, you know a little bit of history. That's good. Because that's all you're known for is trouble. <laughs> Yeah, go on. Okay, the next person up is Richard Moore. Mm-hmm. No, Richard Benjamin Moore. Now, if you Google Richard Moore and don't put in the Benjamin, you're going to get Richard Bernard Moore. <laughs> when I was doing my research on this one, I got a Richard Bernard Moore, but I meant to have Richard Benjamin Moore. And Richard Benjamin Moore, who we're going to focus on, he is a Barbian and he's also a writer. He was born on August 9th of 1893, and he was born in Barbados. It didn't say exactly which parish she was, he is from. However, I want to I want to claim Saint Michael because it looks like Michael. Sorry, <laughs> I want to claim Saint Michael. You want to tell me Saint Michael? I will claim it. Yep, you know because you know we're all we're awesome. They didn't say a death I know, but whatever. Him, but no. <laughs> he was a barbarous born Afro Caribbean. Rihanna from St. Michael. Everybody from St. Michael. Who wrote <laughs> a prominent socialist. He was also one of the earliest advocates of the terms Afro American as opposed to Negro or Black. Okay. Really? More migrated to the U.S. and arrived in New York City on July 4th of 1909. There he was immediately faced with ethnic discrimination, which it became became to employment and educational opportunities, among other things. Wow. Due to the struggle he encountered and observed, he became a strong advocate rights for Afro-Americans. And in 1990, he joined, like, he joined just like our guy before, Claudius McKay. Mm-hmm. He joined the African Blood Brotherhood, the ABB. Okay. Ask Rudy in the chat for us if he knows about the African Blood Brotherhood, because it seems like this, is come, this, this had come up quite a lot when I was doing the research. Uh, well, he can hear you. He can hear you, so you can, you can, he can hear you. for the African Blood Brotherhood. Don't be that person that's doing, you know, camera, doing pictures on uh, Instagram and have the video turned on. <laughs> do, do we have, do we have a picture of Richard Moore? Yeah, I'll put a picture up. Mm-hmm. There he is. Continue. Okay, um, Richard Moore. In 1935, he became the organizer for international labor defense in New England, in the New England Territory, mm-hmm. and he used his position and his organization to speak on behalf of the Scottboro Brothers, boy, sorry, in a case in which nine young African-American males were accused of raping two young European-American women. He continued his effort for equal rights in America and also played a leading role in the Caribbean advocacy groups. Hmm. In his lifetime, he collected over 15,000 books. I don't think they have 
<laughs> have read half those books on the internet. Based books and pamphlets mm-hmm. on the African American experience worldwide and feature them in the Frederick Douglass Book Center in Harlem. Okay. The collection of books is currently housed in a library that more developed in Barbados. I must check this out at our museum here. Okay. At the garrison and see if it's here. Moore died in his homeland of Barbados in 1978 at the age of 85. Wow. Mm-hmm. Who's next? These men were all writers. That's great. And poets. Yep. Mm-hmm. Poetry so keeps you soon. <laughs> I searched and I found a lot of pieces, but they said the same thing, but they were not lengthy on several breaks. On several breaks. Was born on May 28th, 1888, on the Caribbean island of Nevis. You have St. Kitts and Nevis, the sister island, Twin Island, is it? And Cyril Briggs was from Nevis. He later became a writer himself, another writer, taking jobs in St. Kitts Daily Express and St. Christopher's Advertiser. Mm-hmm. Recognized for his, he was recognized for his promise as an aspiring writer. In his later teenage years, Briggs was awarded a scholarship to study journalism at the university, and he migrated to the United States in 1905. Wow. Briggs' first American writer job came in 1912 at Amsterdam News. In 1917, Briggs found the African Blood Brotherhood, there he is again, one of the seminal groups of African, of the African American associations. His goal was to stop lynching and racial discrimination hmm. and ensure voting and civil rights for African Americans in the South. Briggs later died October 18th in 1966. Wow. He Same years of independence in Barbados. Bar- yep, the month of independence here. Mm-hmm. And that is it from me. From no. So the so whole point of yeah, the whole point. Person, yeah. Hmm? So that's that. Yeah, go on. Go <laughs> on. <laughs> with my with my field, with my four, my two is two. The comparison of my four. They were all writers. I only had one cook with written ever one barrel. But, but I think but that's still writing. <laughs> still to write a book. And they were right. from the Caribbean and they migrated to to the US. I think mm-hmm. uh, I two of your students were from the Caribbean. Yeah. Two of them. One was two from Trinidad and one was from Barbados. Um Carmichael was from Trinidad. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which one was from Barbados? Uh, that was Willard. That was uh, he was the oh. one that did the immigration. Uh, no, so what the whole point of us was of uh, uh, us showcasing this was to say was to talk about the piece that Teresa spoke about in the beginning of the show, uh, and the importance of children learning their history, uh, the history of yourself, of your culture, of your uh, forefathers, and of of your country. Uh, how can you do better if you don't know what it is in comparative to to do better against? Uh, how can mm-hmm. you um, understand leadership if you don't know about leadership within your own culture or country? How can you uh, understand where you are now to not know where you came from or where others around you came from? So history is extremely important. And, you know, hiding and shaming or, or past and not understanding it does not do anything beneficial for our children, but mm-hmm. um, brings up the word shame. And we are not shame of our past. Uh, they're all lessons that children have the ability to learn and to benefit from when it comes to leadership, when it comes to empowerment, and when it comes to understanding and culture. So uh, to say all that long <laughs> scripts, uh, that's basically why we did this wanted to showcase the crusaders of the uh, of the past and there's so many ones of the present that are out there doing mm-hmm. fighting for social justice um when it, from uh human trafficking to abuse to child welfare to um uh, humanities i mean there's so many different people out there just trying to help 
all of us do better, understand each other, and uh, live um, peacefully amongst each other. So let's not get, a get rid of history in the schools, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> let's uh, promote history because that is the only way we can actually learn. And I, as Rudy said, hey, see, I know a little bit of history. <laughs> You know, even Rudy knows some history, and he learned from it, right? Uh, so, let's let's promote that. Let's uh, get out there behind our teachers, and that's another thing. As teachers, oh my God, they're so amazing! Thank you to all those teachers that are out there doing their best to always be mindful of our children and to put our children's welfare as number one priority of the day. Anything else you gotta say, Teresa? No, you said quite a bit on that, but. What I can add to it is encouraging our teachers or parents, the parents, mm -hmm. when we look at the history and where we come from, it also helps our children to have that grounding. Mm -hmm. when, we yes. look at, when, we, when we look at the things that we do in schools, the simple things of the invention of some of the things that we use in school, the invention mm -hmm. of some of the, even in, in our, our lifestyles, the hair, mm -hmm. the makeup, the shoes, the tools and stuff that we use in our daily life. I think we have so many persons that we can look up to for that positive guidance. Mm -hmm. If we take, let's just take the time in history Every subject that we go through in school, there is some person there, well, I can say it, some black person there, some African-American there that invented or has something to do with it. Another way that we can encourage our children to learn more on black history is through video. There are, there are movies, there are clips, you can do like slideshows and stuff, and you can start this from um, very young. Because the person that invented the light bulb, you can create stories around that for the preschoolers or those that are going into the same study of electronics. There's so much that we can do to encourage our little ones or from from that age going through to secondary school. So much we can do in teaching them our history and so many different ways we can be creative in teaching it so that it's not a boring lesson because a lot of children I find their attention span is so short. We have to find fun, fun ways for them to learn mm -hmm. and incorporate, incorporate different things in our, in our school system and even at home. I even remember when I was in England there, some schools didn't teach black history or didn't teach enough of it. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends, she sent her son to this after, it was after school on weekends, on, on Saturday, sorry, not Sunday, on Saturday. And they taught a lot of, I don't think they taught, they taught, they call it black British. They taught a lot of, a lot of black British stuff in their Afri African, um, subjects and subjects, African crafts and activities within the weekend classes. And but but I, I not, one thing I want to uh, also uh, mention is that uh, in learning about African American or African Caribbean uh, history, we also have to learn about the Anishinaabe and Aboriginal uh, people of North, of the Turtle Island of, of North America. Oh yes, because uh, you know it goes hands in hand. Um, a lot of their people did help uh, slaves uh, escape or hid them in uh, different parts of Florida and throughout different parts of America on their kind of um. Kind of, um you know, on their, um, oh God, brain. <laughs> but anyways, the, yeah, I just breath right at all. Anyways, the, my, my point is, is that, uh, we all can learn about who we are and about this, this, this part of Western world and the history of it and, and how we can do better, uh, by looking at all of these different, uh, um, persons and their contribution to humanity, you know, and this is the the, the, the part that I think that a lot of us uh, forget is that we're humanity, 
at the end of the day, these are individuals fighting for another person to have a right, a right to be, mm -hmm. uh, back then it was a right to vote, um, a right to be heard, a right to be seen, understood. Um, and in today's modern world, as a, a right not to be harassed. Um, uh, I, I think uh, one of our shows we're going to dedicate to uh, understanding the 150 uh, Reconciliation Acts and um, talking uh, a little bit. There is a, remember, I, I think I sent you a podcast uh, called Thunder Bay, um, and it was talking about all of these women and different people with persons that were of uh, Aboriginal um, um, ancestral that were either disappearing or quote-unquote drowning or whatever, but it was a lot of... Thunder Bay. Yes, Thunder Bay, yeah. And um, it, you know, it showcased just a small piece of all of different histories that we don't talk about when it comes to the Aboriginal community. And so I want that also to be a part of our conversation because we have to learn about all of us here in Tur uh, Turtle Island. We have to learn about all of us here in North America and how our history has contributed to where we are now, <laughs> you know, and and what can we do to do better? Because we, we, we definitely need to do better. <laughs> you know, we, we, could, we should not still be having this conversation around race in 2023. There's so many ways that we can... Uh, do better in regards to that but with all the capitalistic rules that are in place and um all of these uh barriers and hurdles that are put in place for us to maintain and be craps in the bucket we have to do better amongst each other so we can love each other understand each other respect each other's rights to be present so that was a mouthful <laughs> Well, we thank you so much for joining us to um, here um, to talk a little bit about history, to celebrate Arrow Barrel Day in Barbados. Happy Arrow Barrel Day, uh, Teresa. What did you guys do down there anyways for Arrow Barrel Day? They just highlight, highlight a lot of different things that he was a part of. Sometimes they have, um, today they had, it wasn't, uh, brought something, but some yeah. families, you know, took out the cookbook and they had like little cooking competitions. Oh that yeah, he, that he had mm -hmm. in his recipes that he had in his book. Uh -huh. The the radio stations, the media, they were playing a lot of. At first, it was like, is it independence? <laughs> it was that big, huh? It was that big. It was that big. A lot of music that was coming through on the wow. in, in the media. A lot uh -huh. of music that was coming through. It reminded me of independence. And I said, you know what? Father of independence. So Yeah. Oh, oh, that's what you guys that. call him, the father of independence? Yeah, the father of independence. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. When he when he was in position. Yeah, happy Arrow Barrel Day to all yeah. Barbadians and all Bajans around the world. <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, when he was in what you say, in the seat, that's mm -hmm. when we were given independence. November thirtieth, ninety-six. There, I should have looked for the clip when they had the celebration at the garrison. But mm -hmm. that too, every year they show, they show that on, on TV. Yeah, um, the whole ceremony on TV. Monday was uh, MLK Day, and we do celebrate it here in Canada, but not as prominent as the United States. Um, I wish that they would realize that the the influence and that Martin Luther King did have on uh, Canadian on Black Canadians, but uh, it's it's still in progress. We're still dealing, uh, trying to get that uh, to be a little bit more um, celebrated here in in Canada. But in the United States, I mean, they even had the unveiling of a new ornament, uh, monument uh, with him holding his wife. Uh, so kind of showcase oh, yeah? the love, yeah. So it's just their arms. Um, it's a very famous picture of her hugging him, and it showcased the ring and her, uh, him and her. So they have their arms, um, um, bronze and uh, showcase. It's it's pretty beautiful. It's interesting, interesting to look at. Oh, I'm seeing it. You saw you saw it. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, we don't want to uh, not mention, we want to mention, sorry, that there are many people that were involved in civil rights um, and, and civil liberties and still involved with social justice. Um, and there's 
so many to, to, to mention, but we do want to acknowledge that there are people, these are just a few that we thought that people didn't realize what they've done, and we just kind of wanted to showcase how important one person can be to a complete movement. So with that, we want to remind you that you can catch us on RSS and select your favorite podcast listener. Uh, we are on all of them. <laughs> uh, we are also on TikTok. We're going to start doing, uh, I guess, a morning hello to everybody. Uh, our social media person, <laughs> Nicolette. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Nicolette, this is going to be interesting. She has this, yeah, this new project where we're supposed to say good morning. Fabulous job. Let's see how that works out. Yeah, and of course, remember to like, comment, and subscribe here on YouTube. We're still marching towards that 100 mark so we can become part of the YouTube community. And on Instagram, please follow us and, you know, share some comments, ask us some questions, and make some show uh, suggestions, and we might consider them. We, we, we will consider mm -hmm. them. <laughs> we will be live in Barbados on D July 28th of this year. Uh, we are still working out all the details, and we will share them as soon as we have everything solidified. <laughs> Teresa, anything going on for you there in, in Barbados? I want to say them. <laughs> Today, <laughs> we are experiencing, I don't know if we can say it's a cold front. I yeah, I heard that in Florida, too. I'm just going to say you right now, Canva, thanks you. It is chilly. Canva, thanks you. We're not getting no snow. It's not cold. Yeah, we... It's cold. Canada cold, England cold. Well, all I have to say to you right now is in Ontario, we're not having the kind of snow that we normally have. In fact, I can see my grass. Yeah, I can see grass. It was snow for like... No, it wouldn't even still flurry for a few seconds and then it'll melt right away. No so coat, no boots. it's nope. Well, I, I well for us, the kind of temperature it was it is, nah, we need to sweater. <laughs> Minus four is good. Minus four is good. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so it's not bad. I mean we're wearing uh we can wear you can wear a jacket if you want to, but some people wear sweaters yesterday especially. People were out in sweaters, you know, so mm -hmm. Yeah, we're getting fall weather. Oh, we need to pull out. We need to, some of us are pulling out sweaters when we are coming home. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's about time for Canada to get a little bit eased in the wintertime. I mean, come on. Normally, we like February, that's a really, really bad time of the year for us. And I look, I did the projection. I, you know, I do, I always look forward to my weather. And uh, it's showing uh, above zero. So. Hmm. Thank you, Florida and okay. Can and, and the Caribbean. <laughs> I don't want to say I don't want to say uh, what do you call it? Uh, what is it? Uh, oh God, uh, you know pollution or anything like that. I don't, I don't want to give them any kind of credit. You don't want to say what? Yeah, I, I don't want to say it's pollution, girl. I want to stay from there. Oh. So <laughs> we love to hear from you. Feel free to leave us any comments and ask any questions. Again, I am Hillary here in Ontario, Canada. And I'm Teresa here in Barbados, Chile, Barbados. But you didn't tell me if you're doing anything, if you're, go any, what's going on, like, with your business, anything, any, I know that your Wednesdays, you do something on Wednesdays. Yes, every, every Wednesday is Foxy Therapy Day, every last Wednesday of the month is full body massages with scrubs, uh -huh. and you are welcome to come on over to Rock Dunder St. James, or give me a call at 823-7547, that's 823-7547. Or check out my Instagram handle for services and products that we're offering at recent underscore underscore Nicole. That's Risa, R-E-S-A underscore underscore N-I-C-O-L-E. You can check me out there or you can drop me an email. That email information and telephone number is also on my Instagram page. So anything you see there, you can drop me a line and we can have a conversation. Hi, Stephanie. Stephanie just joined us. Hi, Stephanie. We're about to hit off. We're about to leave you tonight, but thank you for stopping in and joining us. Uh, Teresa, one more thing before we go. Uh, uh, Nicolette said that we were going to be on, what's the name of that new uh, platform? Uh, Wisdom? Wisdom. We're going to be on Wisdom. Yeah, Wisdom app. Yeah, we'll be on the Wisdom app, and um, 
you know, we're going to be, you know, sending out some questions and answering some questions on wisdom. Yeah, thank you, Nicolacci. She wrote up wisdom. <laughs> yeah, so we'll be uh, <laughs> we'll be uh, on there um, starting next week, and uh, so access any questions, and we will provide the answer. We're going to answer uh, offer some mentorship as well on there. So again, Hillary Ontario Canada and Teresa in Barbados, thank you for joining Hot Tea with Pleasures, and we will see you next Saturday on YouTube. Bye, Teresa.